Dr. Payne Show here, ready to go. Have pain, health issues, complaints, bring them on. Bring it on. Yeah. My sister-in-law has been coming to see you guys. Yes, she She's has. A mess. Yeah, I, uh, the osteopath uh, that's at the clinic was uh, yeah. was saying she was there as well, seeing her. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times these things don't happen overnight. And nope. we're, um, you know, we're always as honest as possible with patients. A lot of these, you know, when you hurt yourself, but here's the thing. A lot of times people have hurt their back. Let's just use the low back as an example. Okay. Someone may have hurt their low back previously. And every time they aggravate it, it takes about a week for it to get better. Sure. So they automatically assume that in the future when they hurt it, it will only take a, a week, week for to it better. to get better. Yeah. The reality is if things are actually getting worse structurally, uh, physiologically, all of these things, well, then the healing time is also going to take a longer period of time. The other thing here is you may have a certain type of back pain that you've experienced throughout your life, but this may be a new type of back pain that you're experiencing. So, you know, again, and we're going to use a generic example, maybe traditionally throughout your life when you've had low back pain, you simply, I don't know, irritate a facet joint or a muscle or something more low level like that. But in this new experience of low back pain, maybe you've aggravated a disc or a nerve, something that physiologically will take more time for it to heal. So these these are not things that can necessarily happen um, overnight. And that's why, you know, the biggest thing that I always say is the right diagnosis um, will give you the right treatment. And also in having the right diagnosis, we we know what's what is a relatively... Uh, expected timeline for recovery, depending on what the issue is. So, mm-hmm. if I saw someone that had a simple soft tissue injury, muscle, whatever, I would I would tell them what we expect in the healing time in that type of injury. Also, taking into consideration their parameters of health, so their prognosis: Are they healthy? Do they have other comorbidities going on that may uh, delay healing time, et cetera, et cetera? So, all of those things need to be taken into consideration, and that's where the dialogue between practitioner and patient needs to happen. So that number one, and you know, that's what plan of management is. That's what report right. of findings is. Report of findings is when a practitioner tells a patient all of the things. Here's what you presented with. Here's what your most likely diagnosis is. Here's a list of other types of diagnoses it could be. Here's what I'm recommending that we do for it. Here's some other things that you can also do for it. Um, here's how likely you are to get better in X amount of time. And here's when we'll reassess. So so these are things that need to, to happen to be, um, there needs to be the dialogue between patient and practitioner always, always, always. Um, so that the patient understands these things. They understand exactly what's going on. And the biggest thing here is consistent reevaluation throughout um, an injury. So every time, you know, when I was treating more often, anytime I would see a patient, I would be reassessing them. Sure. Because, and and sometimes people will say, well, I'll reassess in three weeks when, you know, I've said the treatment plan should be good for, uh, for three three weeks, I'll reassess at that point. You should be reassessing every day because if anything's ever getting worse, that's never a good sign. If things are staying stable, that's you know not ideal, but maybe it's just going to take longer, and sometimes it's about getting better. The other thing, too, is the dialogue about um, are you improving? People, and we've, t- we've gone through this, people often believe that improvement only means intensity of pain. Right. They don't realize it could also mean the duration of the pain. So maybe when this first started, it was happening for four hours out of every day. Waking maybe, up every night, whatever. Correct. Maybe yeah. you're down to two hours. Maybe you're not waking up every night. Um, there's also the frequency. Maybe it was happening every single day in the week. Now you found that, you know, at least I did have 
Friday and Saturday seem to be better. So so there's three parameters, frequency, intensity, and duration. We often think of pain as all or none. It's either black or white, it's on and it's off. It's not. There's yeah. a big gray area. So so a lot of the times and people don't realize what you need to do is educate somebody on uh, what about those other parameters? Are you improving in other ways? Not necessarily intensity. Maybe it's still an 8 out of 10, but is it an 8 out of 10 less frequently and for not as long? And that's very, very important. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You got pains, health concerns, bring them on. Dr. Payne, he's here till uh, 12 o'clock. Uh, Carrie, first up, good morning. How are you? Hi, great. Thank you for taking my call. No worries. I really need to get this resolved. I had two issues. One is the hip area or lower back. Okay. Uh, I don't know what is causing it. I go to sleep. I'm comfortable. The mattress is good. Um, I will oftentimes have no feeling at all in my right arm. And I know we all can get that, like we sleep on the arm or something and we shake it. But this isn't happening, and it takes maybe, I don't know, 40 minutes or something. To, to I'll rub the arm, and I'll go somewhere else and sit, you know, and that's one thing. Um, and I'm thinking that's maybe my spine and in my hips, my pelvic area. So, so sorry, Carrie, sorry to interrupt. This is, so you're, t- you're saying that your, your, your low back and your, your hip area is hurting, but the numbness is in your arms? Yes, yes, okay. and I think it's my spine, actually. Okay, all right. Uh, that's what I think. Now, I've gone to my doctor's, and what he did was he wanted to, oh, vitamin check. So <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but anyway, and all he said was, oh, you're vitamin D deficient. Okay. Well, well. According, according to the pharmacist, everybody in North America is vitamin D deficient because we have the winters. <laughs> um, but I'm, I, I, there, there's nothing more than that, and it is really bothering me. I can't, I'm 58, I can't do what I used to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in my lower, I say it's my lower back, but it's actually my, my hips. It, it, there's something going on there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, so a couple things we, you would, if you have something going on in your low back from a nerve perspective, it shouldn't be affecting the nerves in your arms. Um, oh. right. Because the nerves from your low back go out into your legs, not into your arms. Now you can have things like, you know, tethered cord syndrome where there's pulling at the bottom of the spinal cord that can create symptoms at the upper part but very very rare and and again i'm just speaking out loud i would i would need to uh or thinking out loud sorry i would need to obviously assess you to be certain um the vitamin d thing is absolutely if you if you are true so so here's the thing when a pharmacist or someone says well everybody's somewhat deficient in vitamin d well there's being on the low end of normal, but then there's also being deficient, okay? So anytime you look at uh, blood work, when you're looking at, you know, someone's vitamin levels or other blood levels, there's things that may be on the low end of normal. Maybe, you you know, we can say that the average person, person in North America should have it higher. We all tend to be on the low level of the normal range because of the weather. However, if someone is saying you're deficient, that means you're below a line that creates a deficiency. A deficiency is very different than just being on the low low end of normal. So, and again, I would have to see your blood work to be certain, but absolutely, and being deficient in something can absolutely create numbness, tingling, things like that. You wouldn't expect it for it to just be in a right arm, for example, though, because anytime something is systemic like that, you would expect that the symptoms would be spread out through the body evenly because you know, your blood is going everywhere. It's not just going to your right arm. 
So right. so when I hear one-sided, I start to think more mechanical causes of the pain. So so maybe there's arthritis going on in the neck and that's putting pressure on the nerve. Maybe it's a functional issue on that side. I also always consider, could it be more neurological, more hard neurological signs? Could it be something in the spinal cord in the brain? That's yeah. always something you need to consider. Very, very rare, but something you need to consider nonetheless. So Essentially, when I see if I'm if I'm going to see a patient like you, that's what I'm looking at. I'm thinking of all what are all the different possibilities that can cause numbness and tingling or the symptoms that you're describing. And I look at it from mechanical causes, neurological causes, uh, hormonal causes, um, systemic causes, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the most important thing. And it kind of relates back to what I started the show with that. The most important aspect is the diagnosis because treatment is rendered based on a diagnosis. And it's, it's never worthwhile to start backwards. So a lot of times I'll have people call me where they have some type of idea of what they think they may have. And they'll say, for example, I want to do shockwave for this. Um, do you think shockwave would be good? And it's like, well, hang on a sec. Let's go backwards here. Let's start with figuring out or making sure that you have what you think you have, right. and then we will go forward. And treatment is the is the stage after diagnosis. So, and the problem is, is a lot of us when it comes to musculoskeletal injuries or pain based injuries, we often just want to start at treatment. Someone will have a low back issue and say, "Oh, you know, go go get a massage." Right, treatment intervention, not realizing, well, you haven't done any diagnosis yet. Now that that practitioner should be able to help you diagnose it, but. It's very, very important in a case like yours, Carrie, that you try to figure out exactly what the cause is. That's not your job. That's a a professional's job like mine. You come see somebody like me or anyone else that you may trust. It it sounded like your doctor at the very least did something when, when he tested your vitamin D levels. I'd be interested in seeing the extent of the blood work to see, again, are you just on the low end of normal or are you truly deficient? Because those are two very different things. Well, I was told it was deficient, but okay. I also have a, a problem. My, my left breast, I, like, I think I have a long... Carrie, just hang on one sec. We're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. Carrie, stay there, and you as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Dr. Payne Show rolls on. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Dr. Payne Show, by the way, one eight five 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 drlou Dr. Lou, to get a hold of the uh, the good doctor. Info at paincarecanada.com as well. Carrie, thank you for hanging on. What uh, Continue on, sorry. Thank you. Yeah, but I was just wondering because, doctor, yeah. uh, I have a lot of pain in my left breast. I also have like a pretty big lump, and uh, the doctor knows about it, and but he's not doing anything. And I don't know if this, however, is tied in. Um. Again, it's that's hard for me to comment on because your doctor would know the extent of your history. I mean, my initial gut instinct on any lump would be to get it investigated. Have you, at the very least, had an ultrasound of it? Uh, it's too tender for that. It's too tender for a mammogram. Okay. Uh, x-rays, I don't think that that would really work. No, I mean, yeah, it's you're either going to consider a mammogram or, or an ultrasound of the breast. And I think some of the new research that's coming out is saying that some ultrasounds can be as good as mammograms. So again, I'm, I'm not a specialist in that area. However, you know, any type of lump in the body, uh, especially in a female in the breast, I, I would, I, although it may be tender, it might be worthwhile having it investigated. I, and again, I, I would continue to speak to your family physician about that. And could something like that be contributing to pain levels, numbness and tingling? Yeah, absolutely. If there's some, some type of growth going on um, that t- tends to change the whole dynamic and physiology of the body, and that can definitely create symptoms. So 
uh, if you if you've also or if you are also noticing things like that, yeah, that I I would get that checked out for sure. Thank you. I but also I requested an MRI and he said that I'm 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 a low risk, so he won't give me an MRI. Low risk of cancer. My whole family has had cancer, so uh, but he's saying I'm a low risk. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, it's hard for me to comment. I don't know who your family doctor is, nor do I want to know, uh, but. My initial gut instinct, and and this is me just more talking to you as a as a you know just person to person, I guess. My gut instinct, even taking away my doctor's hat, my gut instinct would be go get that checked. Like there's no reason why you shouldn't be getting that checked. And an MRI is going to take forever, and an ultrasound could probably be done next week at some point. So at the very least, you know, bear bear through the tenderness that it might cause, mm-hmm. but get that investigated because you want to be certain for sure. And I mean any. The biggest, when, whenever we see a patient, like if I see a patient and I have a fear of something going on that's more sinister, my first question is, there is there a family history of whatever sinister thing I'm right. thinking of? So, you know, in your case, I don't want to use the word cancer, but if we're going to think that way and then I say, hey, do you have a family history of cancer? And you say, yes, everybody in my family. That, the the, yeah, yeah, that that to me is not is not low risk anymore. Yeah. Carrie, appreciate your call. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Uh, Erica, good morning. Hi. Hi. Okay, so um, what's been happening is that I haven't been able, well, the left, my outer left thigh is numb on the surface. Okay. And it doesn't, like, it will be cold, but my outer right thigh will be warm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like that for two months. Okay. What happened uh, two months ago? Well, I used to be an officer at the airport, and it was a very physical job. I was, I'm was i huge into sports, too, so I did hurt my back about three years ago playing hockey. Yeah. Um, but they don't think it's correlated. They told me I had IT band syndrome, but I don't have any of those symptoms, so I went to get a second opinion, and they don't really know. Okay. So... So here's the thing. So you, let's start with what we do know. You have numbness and tingling in your outer thigh, and you have uh, different sensation in terms of temperature. So some, one may feel cold, but the other is hot. So what we know for sure is that sounds neurological right off the bat. So the nerve is involved. The next question becomes, okay, what's irritating the nerve to cause that? That presentation of numbness, tingling, or any type of paresthesia, which means altered sensation on the outer thigh, uh, is in that area, we call it neuralgia parasthetica. So there's a nerve that comes off. So let's, let me give, try to give you some anatomy here. You got the spinal cord. In the higher lumbar areas, you got a bunch of nerves that come out, L1, L2, L3. They'll make the femoral nerve. The femoral nerve comes in through the front through the psoas muscle, which is a hip flexor, comes down and then shoots off a branch called the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. That nerve supplies the skin over the lateral thigh, the area you are speaking of. So again, what do we know just based on what you're saying is we know it's nerve. We, we know it's the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. The next question becomes what is irritating that nerve? It could be tight muscles in that area, like a tight hip flexor, depending on what you're doing. Even something low level like that could be causing that type of symptom. Sometimes when people wear a belt too tight around their waist, it can create that same symptom. Yeah, 
It's just, it's a super, wow. it's what's called a cutaneous nerve, which means it supplies the skin, it's sensation to the skin. So it's a superficial yeah. nerve. Um, it could also be a disc herniation higher mm -hmm. up in the lumbar spine, putting pressure on the on one of those nerve roots creating that. So that's a little more serious. It could also be something within the spinal cord and all the way up to the brain. Now, I don't say that to scare you. I say that simply to always be cautious of that. The likelihood that it's that is very, very, very rare. But that's the way I think of these things. I start with what I know and I work backwards and say, how do we figure out the rest? We can figure out the rest, the other things from spinal cord down. Down, these are the types of cases in a clinical scenario I, I can assess you and, and usually be about 99% confident with what the issue is, whether it's just simply muscle, is it something, you know, disc related uh, at the spinal cord level, is it something within the spinal cord or is it something within the brain or something like that? And there's the clinical testing um, will usually help reveal that stuff. But what we do know is it's neuralgia parasthetica, which is just the term. It's like saying sciatica, right? right. When people say sciatica, this is sciatica of the lateral thigh, neuralgia parasthetica, right? So sciatica is the sciatic nerve, but this is neuralgia parasthetica, which just means that there is paresthesia in the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. We know that for sure. We got to figure out what it is. It sounds, based on what you're saying, it's likely one of the more benign causes, especially if other people aren't able to figure it out. Come in, come see me, let's get it assessed. And, and you know, once we can figure out what it is, or at least have a good idea, you get it treated the right way. Just like that, Erica, it is one eight five 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 Dr. Lou D R L O U. Email info at paincarecanada.com. Appreciate your call. I see you there, Terry, and you as well. Plenty of time for you to call in, get some questions answered. Uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Dr. Payne Show, right here, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Hey, Terry, thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging on. Good morning. Hi. It's uh, Jerry. Jerry. Oh, sorry. I was close. Close um, pronunciation. Yeah, Dr. Lou, I've been yes. uh, dealing with post-herpetic neuralgia, which Ooh, is from shingles. Tough one. For about, for about two years yep. on my forehead. Okay. And uh, the only thing that, that soothes it is cold, cool water. Yeah. And that's every 15, 20 minutes. And it's, right. It's not working uh, as it used to as well. Yeah, uh, so, so post-herpetic neuralgia is a tough yeah. one when it comes to pain. It's yeah. even more, I saw in on the line here when I see on the call screen that it said post-herpetic neuralgia. Um, it's even tougher when it's in the face. So so a little bit of background about um, the the shingles virus, which mm -hmm. is yeah. part of the herpes vervidens, which is similar to, it's a similar type of virus to other herpes vervidens, things like uh, chicken pox or cold sores, things like that. To not get overly complicated, it resides in a part of the nerve. So the virus will affect mainly what's called the dorsal root ganglion or the ganglion that controls the communication between nerve and spinal cord. Right. Um, the problem, so when, when someone has it, like, say, in their body, like around the rib cage, we can essentially go to the spine or, or a doctor can go into the spine and maybe inject something into that local area of the spine to numb out the nerve. The problem with when we deal with the face, and if you're saying it was in your forehead, it's yeah. likely the trigeminal nerve, um, which is a part of the brainstem, which is not easy to get to because no. it's in your brain. So it's very, very hard to deal with those areas. And the only way you can, and so even herpes or even, sorry, uh, post-herpetic neuralgia in the torso is going to be hard to deal with because a lot of times the injections don't work well um, and it's just very, very tough to deal with. And again, it's even, even tougher when you've had it in the face because now we're dealing with the brainstem. Yeah, it's, and, 
it goes into my eyebrow. That's yeah, exactly. So that's the exactly. So that's the ophthalmic division of the trigeminal nerve because the yeah. trigeminal nerve has three branches. Um, so it, it will distribute in that path. Now, the biggest thing is when you understand. So now we have to figure out what can you do to manage it? Because, you know, if you've had this for two years, is it ever going to go away? Mm, that's a tough one. You have to manage it symptomatically from the outside. So doing things to the nerve issue, to yes, the nerve from the outside, yeah, like exactly. icing it, like you've been doing. Another thing from an alternative perspective that has some benefit to it is acupuncture along yeah. the, the distribution of the nerve. Um, then there's also other things like reducing stress levels and things like that, which will help anything that's related to the neurological system. Yeah, I tried lidocaine. I'm using lidocaine. Yeah. So ex then my next thing was medications, yeah. the things that are uh, some type of suppressant of the uh, of the brain, like li lidocaine or, you know, different classes of medications. But mm -hmm. it's a very, very tough one. I if know. it's it's not easy to get rid of the unfortunate it's 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 quite it is quite difficult to deal with, and I'm not going to lie to you and say that there's any yeah. easy answer. I tried Botox. Botox injections. Didn't is do it, anything. Yeah, exactly. But they're trying Botox in, in probably the local area and the brow area, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, because they can't target the where the nerve where the virus resides in in the nerve at the at the ganglion because it's in the brainstem but um yeah i mean give me a call uh, i can try to set you up with a pain uh, specialty clinic if you haven't already been set up with one um and see if there's any other options but really it's it sounds like you're doing all of the things the unfortunate reality is you just may have to do them more often um to try to get some relief out of it Appreciate the call, Jerry. It's one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. TJ, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Uh, yeah, I was diagnosed with uh, Shoyamun's disease about four years ago. Okay. So it's like a curve in my spine. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a, it makes it look like a hunchback. Yeah. No, it's not that big. Are you, are you younger? I'm uh, 28. Yeah, so it's most often diagnosed before 30. It's usually, um, it's it's so it's more of an X-ray diagnosis, um, which means that you end up taking an X-ray of the spine for whatever reason, and you'll and you'll notice uh, um, a, a little bit of an extra curvature. So there mm. there'll be an accent in the in the kyphosis in the upper back, and it's called Sherman's disease. Um, it's not really all that important, except for the fact that likely you're going to have. Um, you know, earlier degenerative changes in that area, which may create problems later on in life. But are you having any back pain right now? No, I I have back pain. If I try to straighten my back when I'm driving for a long period of time, it starts hurting. Then I go back to the... Yeah. So, so, so a big thing when people say sit up straight, right? Mm -hmm. So, so Sherman's disease was first described um, where mothers or, or parents would notice their kids when they'd be hunched over working at work on at, like the table, doing their homework, and they'd say, sit up straight, sit up straight. And so then that's where Sherman's disease started to be identified. The problem with sitting up straight is if you have a curve, an accentuation of a curve in your spine, and you try to sit up too straight, all you're doing is jamming joints. So... Sitting up straight is not the right answer. The right answer is sit to your posture, sit to whatever your spine allows you to sit to, uh, because yeah. maybe perfectly straight when you have Sherman's disease is not possible anymore. You have to kind of stay at a slightly forward posture or whatever is neutral for your yeah. spine. So the most important thing with the spine is get to neutral, depending on what neutral is for your spine. Um, okay. 
But you know, come come see me. It doesn't. It's not going to be anything big. You can just get an opinion from me. I can show you some simple exercises to do to slow down any progression around it. But not not a big deal. TJ again one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. I see you there, Wilma. Hang on, we'll get to you, and you have plenty of time as well to uh, to call in. Ask your questions, get them uh, answered to get the ball rolling, at least anyway. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You have pain, health concerns, bring them on. You've been hearing it so far this half, uh, half hour. It's been very busy, and that's uh, exactly what we do week in, week out here on the show is get those questions uh, answered, get you on the uh, right path to start. Uh, Wilma, thanks for hanging on. How are you? Oh, yes. Um, okay. Uh, this is Dr. Oh, I am. Okay, I have a John's my intern. Yeah. All right. <laughs> nice. I had a pain in my. I have a pain. It comes in my hip at the right hip, and then it goes around to the back. Okay. And then I had it for quite a while, and if I sit down, it's very hard. It's more pain. Mm-hmm. And then then it went down into my ankle, my left ankle. Okay. And uh, it. Um, let's see. And that sometimes it goes away, and then it comes back, and uh, it's hard to walk when I have the pain mm-hmm. in my hip and my ankle, and I'm limping, and uh, what else? It, uh, yeah, and when I sit down, the pain is very bad in the hip, or when I lift my, uh, uh, my right leg, it's bad, and the pain comes very bad then. So, so have you had this looked at by anyone, Wilma? Well, I talked to the doctor, and he didn't uh, think much of it, and I asked him, do you think I need an x-ray? And I don't know if that's what I need, but I... I think it's a good starting point, yeah. I mean, any time, how old are you, Wilma? I'm 84. 84, so I mean... I have osteoporosis, so I don't know if it's anything to do with the bones. Potentially, might be, might might be like a significant amount of arthritis in that hip. Um, I don't know. If it goes away, how can it be arthritis? Well, it can, the pain can come and go. So oh. that, yeah, yeah, it can definitely come and go. Uh, but I think an x-ray, like you talking to me with what you're saying, to me it sounds like it could just be arthritis of that the hip. Um, and, you know, when you have arthritis of the hip, it can create pain at certain points depending on what you're doing. And then other times it might not be so bad. It also very much relate to weather and pressure changes in the environment. Uh, but I think an x-ray is a good starting point, right? You know, anytime I see somebody with with a hip issue, it's funny. I saw a gentleman the other day uh, who, you know, the story wasn't all that different than what you're saying. I grabbed his hip. I moved it around with what's called the scour test. Uh-huh. Right away, I knew this this hip has got all kinds of arthritis in it. How do you do that test? Well, I'd have to show you. I can't give Describe away all, it on I, radio. I can't give away all my secrets. <laughs> That's Wilma. right. Um, you can look it up if you're if you're handy. Just go on on the computer and type in scour test of the hip. It's it's quite no. simple. You just kind of take the hip and you roll it through its range. Oh. But depending on and how much, and that would be very painful. If I had the pain, then it would be very painful. Then it would be painful. But more than painful, I would notice that there's very much a lack of movement. Uh-huh. And if there's a lack of movement, that often tells me that there's often a significant amount of arthritis. I then send a person for an X-ray just to confirm that. But um, it's it's actually not that hard to diagnose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would recommend that, yeah, you, you get that that X-ray. If you like, come see me. Uh, we'll set up a, an assessment. Oh, well, and... I can't get around too much. I'm okay. kind of disabled with the mobility problem slightly, you know. Yeah. So I, I can't so get fo- around. So follow up much. with the family doctor that you have and, and just suggest that you'd like to do an X-ray of the hip yeah. um, and, and see what, what that reveals. And then it's going into the knee a bit. 
Right. Yeah, that, that can happen. I mean, all of the muscles that start over at the hip come down and cross over the knee. Uh-huh. Um, and so that can definitely, uh, very characteristic of hip issues is that people will also feel it going into the knee. Oh, and where are you located? Uh, I have providers throughout all of Ontario, but I do my assessments in Etobicoke. Oh, that's way over from me. I'm yeah. in Toronto, so that's okay. not possible. Okay, well, then I'll go and have that done. Okay. See what the x-ray shows up. No problem. Thank you, Wilma. You want to follow up uh, later, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, and, of course, info at paincarecanada.com. You should mention that as well. It's not just your office in Etobicoke, which uh, which I know very well. No, no, that that is where I'm going to do my assessments. I'm one person. Most of the people want to see me, so it's just easier for me to... Uh, in the f- coming months, I will be uh, expanding where I'll be in uh, Newmarket as well. So for anyone listening up north, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted on when that becomes available. But I will do assessments a few times a week out of Newmarket as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's where I'm going to be able to assess you. You only have to come one time. Even if there's follow-up things, a lot of once I see you, I can do a lot of the rest through just communication over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really only ever have to see people once. Um, and then if, you know, depending on what you need, I can send you to the right person, more local to you, whether, you know, that needs to be uh, a chiro or a physio or some type of a specialist. But again, it very much, it's hard to ever say, like people will call and say, I've got back pain, what can you offer? And it's like, <laughs> wow. I, don't, I don't know. I got, what I can offer you is trying to help you figure out what's causing your back pain. Because that's just a symptom, and so what is what is the cause of your back pain? So um, that's where it all starts. The assessment is the best way. I, I, you know, the free consultation is very much designed to mimic what happens here on the radio show. Just a quick dialogue with an idea you've heard today. Some people I just simply say follow up with your family doctor. Mm-hmm. Other people I'm suggesting come in. Other people it's like doesn't sound like there's anything to worry about. Just continue doing what you're doing. Um, and then from there, if I do feel you need an assessment, I'm going to recommend it. I'll get one of my administrators in touch with you, um, and they'll help you book that assessment. It's simple. You're all, you're not only the Pain Care Canada owner; you're also a client. Like you've got you you've been dealing oh, with my, your own thing, yeah, right? Your neck. Been, my neck's been a mess for a year. Yeah, it actually so started go. a year ago today. Today, yeah, today, um, and it's been on and off. Uh, it's actually created, and it's incredible. Like. There, there, there must be something going on, like some type of disc bulge on the spinal cord, okay. because it creates symptoms even in my legs, and so that's common. So there's something called CSM, which is a cervical spondylitic myelopathy, which is essentially when there's enough arthritis in your neck, it can create symptoms throughout all of the nerve distribution. So the way neurology works is if you have a problem in your low back, something pushing on the spinal cord in the low back, it's only going to affect stuff below the lesion, so below that part. But everything is below the neck, right? So if you've yes. got a lesion in the neck, it can affect your arms, it can affect your torso, it can affect your legs. Um, now, cervical spondylitic myelopathy is specifically related to spondylitic, meaning arthritis mm-hmm. of the spine. Uh, but you can have anterior disc bulges, which mimic CSM or create the same types of symptoms. And so I've noticed that, you know, depending on what I do, it very much aggravates it in the last few weeks. Um, it's It's been definitely exacerbated. But... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not just uh, the owner and the boss. I'm also a client and consistently get my issue dealt with and managed with. And I've accepted that. Again, this is not something that I'm going to say. Oh, it's gone and never going to come back. Yep. I have to deal with it when it gets exacerbated. I do the right things. Um, and and I try to keep up with all of the day to day things that I need to do. And so 
you know, I've had a ton of injuries in my life, all kinds of injuries. So a lot of times when I'm seeing people, I'm not only relating to them on the fact that I know what they're talking about right. because of my education, but I also know because of I've gone through it myself. I've I've had almost every injury you can think of, <laughs> um, which is maybe why I'm so passionate about this as well. And if I haven't had it, someone very close to me has. Um, and, and that's not just pain-related injuries. You know, everybody in their families has all kinds of things going on. I always do my best, even if it's not necessarily related to the scope of practice that I deal with. I try to be well-versed in everything. If it affects my family or my loved ones, I, I teach it to myself as good as I possibly can so that that way I know and I can also share it with others. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You still got some time. You have questions, concerns about your health or pain. Call in. We'd love to talk to you just before 12 o'clock this morning. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And the Dr. Payne Show still have some time. 416-870-6400, star 640. anymore after really? that song selection. Who is it? Oh, is this... Um, what is that, Jody? It's, it's a little respect, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani doing, no, no doubt. Covering Talk uh, Talk, yeah. right? Yeah. The original's such a cool tune. Listen, do we have to... You want to switch jobs? I'll give... You now the that advice. Advice. I, I, I'd you, love to see. And you'll pick your. I yeah, think your I music. can do what you're doing. Really? Mm-hmm. Maybe. You know I mean, figure it you know out. Any buttons are on that console right now? Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> can't be any harder than a plane. That's a good point. It can't be any harder. Okay. Thank you, Sully Sullenberger. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. So, what else is happening at the clinic? You move. You got some new digs. Which yeah, is excellent. so our, our main physio clinic uh, just moved into a new space. Uh, Etobicoke General Hospital yes. has renovated everything. Um, absolutely beautiful. We have four surgeons in that space as well. Um, again, to mm-hmm. better serve all of the needs related to, um, you know, the specifically the knee and hip, like lower extremity, the things we've talked about a lot on the show. Um, but PRP injections is another big thing that continues to grow that we've talked about. Uh, over the last several months, it's a, it's a great alternative uh, for someone who has that osteoarthritis in the knee, doesn't necessarily want to get the knee replacement right away, um, and wants to find a little bit of relief. The other reason why it's very good is a lot of people do need a knee replacement, but are waiting like a year or a year and a half to yeah. get it, and they have all kinds of pain. So why not do that in the meantime, provide yourself? Again, I've I, some people have called and I've told them, this does nothing, absolutely nothing to reverse your your symptoms in terms right. of, or sorry, to, to reverse the, it does, it reverses the symptoms. What it doesn't do is it doesn't reverse the osteoarthritis. It's not it like it makes, it, in, right? yeah, it doesn't make the arthritis go away. It doesn't do anything with that. What it does do is help clean up the inflammation that's mm-hmm. going on within the knee. And in controlling that inflammation, you're able to control um, the pain levels. And it's, and the research is very good for the mild to moderate osteoarthritis. So if you've been diagnosed with osteoarthritis of your knee, you're still relatively young, you're not ready to have a knee replacement, or you're waiting to have that knee replacement, but need to find some type of relief, it is definitely something you should consider. Give me a call. We have a discussion. My, my stats are this, 50-50. Some, I, 50% of people that call me, I'll say yes, do it, and the other 50%, yep. I'll say no. So I'm I'm very, very honest about it. It just, If it's not the right thing for you, I will tell you don't not do to it. do it because I, I don't want people to waste their time and their money. Not at all. Corey, good morning. How are you? What's going on with you? I've been suffering from chronic pain um, for, well, I'd say probably since I, ha- I had a really bad fall in 2010 at work. And I got whiplash. I had lower back injuries. I subsequently had other injuries. Um, 
I have a very physical job, so it kind of comes to the territory. But I just been I've been doing physio consistently since the fall in 2010. Mm-hmm. You know, with intermittent breaks here and there, but for the most part, because I've changed practitioners along the way too. Right. But I've been going. I'm doing physio, chiro, massage, uh, acupuncture was a disaster. Uh, I got an osteopath now. He's probably the only one that so far has helped to a degree where I feel better than just that day or the next day, and then I'm right back mm-hmm. to being in pain again. Right. Um, so it's just getting really, really frustrating. Yep. And I just, I'm just calling to see if there is any way, if there's anything out there that mm-hmm. maybe I've missed that might help me get to where I need to be to be pain-free again. Well, I mean, have you done good rehabilitation in terms of exercises that you do every day, the proper rehabilitation? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I went through that whole thing uh, before. I'm still doing I'm doing new ones now again because I've had an acute episode with an ankle injury. Right. But I guess the part that's frustrating is that, you know, when you go to your GP, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see a rheumatologist now to see if maybe there's, you know, I mean, I know I've been hearing conflicting reports about fibromyalgia, whether it's a really a thing or whether it's a myth. I don't know what to well, think about Well, fi- fibromyalgia is chronic pain. And it's widespread pain of the fibers and the and the muscles. It's not it's not right. fake. It is a thing. It's just an, okay. a, a more fancy name to than you saying chronic pain. So, yeah, fibromyalgia is absolutely a thing. And I think when people say it's not a thing, they just don't understand the extent of what it means. Okay. Yeah. So I have could, a friend who's a massage therapist who says it's not it's fake, and I'm like, no, it's well, not. Well, she that I'm that that person should talk to out. all of the hundreds, thousands, millions of people suffering with fibromyalgia to see if they think it's fake. It's chronic yeah. pain, and I mean, I mean, you're the answer, right? Like, if you've been dealing with chronic pain, is your pain fake? No. Exactly. So, but that's what fibromyalgia is. The term just simply means fibromy is fibers and muscle. Alga means pain. You have pain of fibers and muscles. You you're describing that, right? So, uh, it, it is that is what it is. It's chronic pain related to the fibers. It's it's a di- so rheumatologists essentially developed that term, or or that term came about because rheumatologists look for inflammatory pain, so something due to say like rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, and lupus, any type of autoimmune disease. There's a group of people that go see rheumatologists and don't have any autoimmune or inflammatory disease. What they do have is chronic pain of their muscles and their fibers, soft tissue injuries that are chronic, and so the yeah. term is fibromyalgia. It's okay. it's it's so as real that as. Yeah, it's, and it, I've already been suspecting that anyway. Yeah, and I think the first step is so. So just to kind of answer your question, is there more that you can do? There's always other things that can be done. I, I can't comment on it because I have to go through with you the extent of everything that you have done. The other thing yeah. about chronic pain and fibromyalgia is that it's a management issue. There's nothing that you're going to do that you're going to cure yourself and that's it. You're never going to feel pain again. So that's a very important thing to consider. I would love to review specifically the exercises and rehabilitation that you've done because when it comes to chronic pain, it's the proper exercises and rehabilitation. And although you think you may have been doing it, you may not have been doing it or I may be wrong. Maybe you 
have been doing it. I don't know, but I would need to review that. Um, then there's also the psychological component of chronic pain that needs to be tackled with and is not tackled often because it's just kind of taboo. But, you know, there is stuff that can be done. Give me a call. We'll go through an assessment. We'll see what you've done, what else we can add to it, and what, what the game plan for you can be. Corey, appreciate it. It's one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. The rest of the uh, callers hang on the line. Continue to do so. Hang on the line. We'll get to you after a short break. Doctor Pain Show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. Try to get through our remaining calls with the remaining time. Uh, Madonna and Barry, hello. How are you? I'm good. I was going to say happy belated birthday, but it's probably not the same. Madonna, so. <laughs> How are you? What's going on? Uh, pain in the ribs. Okay. Front and back. All right. Uh, now, my doctor never said it was costochondritis, but I kind of like figured it out myself. Okay. I think he thinks that it was just muscle. How, okay. How long has this been going on? Uh, 10 years. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, costochondritis, like inflammation like that, would have subsided or there would have been something over 10 years. You might just have chronic rib pain due to something else have you ever besides like has your doctor ever taken an x-ray or investigated or just what, what's happened well i have asked reflux okay and i read on the costochondritis women's web page if you want to say that um so there's things that you can't have that will um bring it on if you want to say yeah and acid reflux and i do find that when gerd is really bad i do have it mm-hmm so if you take Sometimes an anti-inflammatory, so. does it help your pain? Oh, I, I rarely take them because um, they worsen GERD. Right. Yeah, that's very but true. Yeah, yeah, I did. And it just took it away, like, just very minimally, though. Mm-hmm. Like, the last time I had it was in June. Right. And it was from eating something spicy that I shouldn't have had. But okay. the pain started down by my liver. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking it was like my gallbladder. I was all ready to call 911 and go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then, because the pain was intense down there, and then it just shot all around my rib cage. Okay. And then I said, oh no, so, I got Costco. So I Madonna, what, what, are you, what are you looking for from me? <sighs> I've never had a, an x-ray, so I'm just thinking, does it, if you know if it's Costco or not, like do you think? Well, I'd have to assess you. I don't know if it's costochondritis. It'd be one of the things that I would consider. I would consider just mechanical pain of that area as well. I would consider, could it be a functional issue? Like, you know, what's your body type like? Are you overweight at all or? Uh, maybe by 15 pounds, but okay, I'm very so not, athletic. Yeah, so nothing crazy. Yeah, it might be yeah. just related to, yeah, it might be costochondritis. It might be other things. I would have to assess it. And then, again, once we can figure out what it is, then you can mm-hmm. we can come up with a treatment plan that is tailored towards trying to eliminate or help uh, manage that issue. And the last time I had it, my doctor, well, my new doctor in Barry, because we're new up here. Oh, yeah, you're coming to Newmarket. you got to let me know when. He thought it was Perlerzy because... I couldn't breathe. Yep. Like I couldn't hardly breathe. Yeah, so it could, could also be something like that. But that's what I mean. It needs to be investigated further than just, you know, someone saying they think it could be. Right. That you can run some tests and figure out one of those things over the other. But, yeah, I'll let you know when we're in new market. But, you know, also try not to wait because that may be a few months away. Give me a call for the assessment and come to Etobicoke to visit me one time. Appreciate that call. Madonna, Paul, you're next up. Got a couple minutes. Make it quick, my friend. Yeah, hi. Um what do you do with arthritis in your big toe? Uh, it's a, 
it depends how severe the arthritis is, uh, and it depends on the symptoms that you're having related with it. Sometimes it's about, you know, maybe some type of therapy, orthotics, like in, like interventions from the outside. Sometimes it ends up needing surgery to fuse it, but then that can create other problems. I again, it's it's the it's the same old story. I got to take a look at it to to see and go through the extent of your symptoms with you uh, to figure out what's maybe the best path for you to take. Okay. Okay. Give me a call. No problem. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. Finally, uh, Lena, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. What's your concern? Okay. So I have uh, severe arthritis in my uh, left hip. Okay. I uh, probably... I, How old are I, you? I was told I'm, I'm 69. Okay. Have you been told um, you need a hip replacement? Yes, of okay. course. <laughs> All right. And I'm trying to avoid it. All right. So um, so when it comes to the hips, if it's severe, usually the best option is the hip replacement. If you're looking for alternatives, maybe injections like the PRP might provide some relief, but it's not going to be long-lived. Uh, in my experience, yeah. it's usually the, the hip replacement is the best thing to get, you know, a good long-term solution out of the, out of the hip. So it's unfortunate, but... Sometimes it's the when it comes to severe arthritis of the hip, it's it's the best, best option. It's the best option. Yeah, yeah, because I've tried everything. I even yeah. hyaluronic acid. I've yeah, then if you're trying, if you if you've tried everything and it's not working, then no. like I said, sometimes the the only option okay. left now. No one, no one is going to force you to do it. You either can try to manage your pain, uh, but if you have severe arthritis of your hip, you will have pain. It will get worse, yeah. and the only way to maybe improve that, especially if you've tried everything else, is the hip replacement. Okay. Okay. Well, at least I heard it from somebody else. Okay. Okay. But, so thank you very no much. No problem. Then. Thank you, Lena. Good luck with that. And yeah, PRP is not for severe, severe, severe hips. It's no, and not, it's no. For... When it comes to the severe arthritis, it's it, the research is not as good. The mild to moderate, maybe right. moderate to severe, it's much better. But when it's severe, it's it's. It, you can't take away the inflammation in that t- in, when it's bone on bone because it right. keeps touching. So, right. yeah. That's it. That's, That's the end it. of the story for That's this it. week. You want yep. to follow up further uh, now that we're done for the morning? one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, Dr. Pain Show. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.